are so glad that you are here, and we're looking forward to a great uh, time together. Pastor Mike and his team have done an amazing job of bringing together uh, some creative components um, for this uh, this service together. And I want to tell you just a little bit about that. A lot of times we focus on the big characters, the main characters, our cherished characters. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. You're going to meet uh, a few of the more outside peripheral characters, those who we know were impacted uh, by the birth of Jesus, but probably in a different way. And we want you uh, to relate uh, through these different characters Um, And they're going to be different because they're going to be in modern clothing, in a modern setting. Uh, You would sit there and go, now, who is this? So we want you to know these are the ancient characters in a modern setting. And the first one that we're going to see and that we're going to witness um, is the wife of one of the shepherds. What was her experience? So let's hear and listen as this touches our hearts. He and I have a rhythm and a routine here in our humble home. And that morning, he was messing it up. See, he comes in at 7.12 every morning on the nose. I hear his boots hit the floor. I make the coffee. He washes the pasture off of him, and we take our toast to the patio. That's our thing. He's a quiet man. Likes the one-word answers, that one. And then he's off to bed. He he keeps the herd at night. Oh, how my parents looked at me when I told them that I'd fallen in love with a shepherd boy. (laughs) But um, that's a story for another time. Or never. But that morning, there were no boots. Only quiet. Quiet like my husband. Before I could get to the front door, it slammed. It was it was loud. It was different. As if the front door knew something I didn't know. My husband yells for me. He yells for me. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's lost the herd. He's out of breath. He's saying my name as he takes my face in his big hands. He, his eyes, they're full of fear. No awe are running down his face and he can't stop talking, ranting about this bright light that fell out of the sky and angels, yes, that is what I said, angels, hundreds of them all over the field proclaiming good news. But what did he mean, good news? Now I know my husband, the shepherd, He will never hold the scepter of a king, never sit with dignitaries to solve the world's problems, never even be invited to a meal where he has to wear a suit. But he was given the greatest edict in all the land, all the world, actually, called to the front lines by God himself to proclaim this good news. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I can say it in my sleep now. I can see it sometimes too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was pleased with my husband, the shepherd. His boots hit the floor a little later on these days and that's okay because he is telling anyone who will listen the good news.
praise to God. We rejoice in this place. We rejoice in the incarnation. Sing this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, can I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, can I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, can I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, Let's rejoice in our God together. Come bless the Lord, come bless the Lord, draw near to worship Christ the Lord, and bless His name, His holy name, declaring His good. Come bless the Lord, come bless the Lord, draw near to worship Christ the Lord, and bless his holy name declaring his word. Oh, that man would praise him. Oh, that man would praise him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, can I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And can I say, can I say, rejoice.
be seated. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. We're here to rejoice, aren't we? And we want to invite a special uh, group in our church family to come and light our Advent wreath uh, for this service. And these are people that uh, you may not immediately recognize them, but they know your names because this is a part representing our intercessory prayer team. I think there's 25 or 30 on the team uh, that pray whenever you turn in those cards. Uh, whenever you have a request that you call in or you send into the office, many times during the week, they are immediately at prayer for those specific needs. And we have asked them to lead us in this service. This is the fourth week of Advent. We celebrate this season of expectation by lighting the candles of the Advent wreath. We relight the candle of hope, which reminds us that Jesus brings hope to our world. We relight the candle of salvation, which reminds us that the saving grace of God comes to individuals through a relationship with Jesus. We relight the candle of joy, which reminds us that knowing Jesus gives a joy that is beyond description. Today we light the candle of peace. Hear the word of God that came through the prophet of the Old Testament in Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. May the visitation of the Holy Spirit, O oh God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope, our salvation, our joy, and our peace. O oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel. Amen. Let's say that together. O oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel. mother is acquainted. Worry. When one is young, one prays. When one becomes a mother, one burns the midnight oil. You know what I speak of. Back. My hip. Gifts from my first child. Mary was such an easy child. And then she met this quiet carpenter. Nice enough young man. Though her father and I worried if he could provide. That soon became the least of our worries. She, uh, she came to me quietly one morning talking of angels. 
trying to explain this child that she had conceived. Mind you, every Jewish girl's dream is to be chosen to give birth to the one. Yet I could hardly bear to listen. It's one thing to conceive out of wedlock, but this story... after that. Perhaps a more suitable birth plan for a king and his mother. But what do I know? I know this. The very first thing I said to my sweet Mary was, what have you
Suppose the answer is, how could she possibly have known? 
but somehow she found peace to move forward and peace to walk forward with this amazing plan of God. We have uh, really experienced some great things uh, in, in this service already. And part of it is that the coming of Jesus was highly disturbing. We heard from the wife of the shepherd. We've heard from uh, the mother of Mother Mary and, and all of those thoughts and emotions that come with that. And yet, in the midst of all these events is this announcement of peace. Uh, as we've heard several times, 700 years uh, before the coming of Jesus, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. And then we hear that confirmed uh, in Luke chapter 2, the announcement of the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests, on whom his grace rests. I finally have decided to name this series. I didn't know what to name it at first, but I'm going to call it Finding Your Advent. Because uh, every, every message uh, I, I decided or ended up being led uh, to call it uh, Finding Something, finding your hope, we talked about, finding your salvation, finding your joy, and this weekend, finding your peace, those four different Advent themes. If you look up there, you might be able to guess where we're going on Christmas Eve. Anybody want to take a guess? Okay. But the interesting thing is that for Israel, uh, that longing was corporate. It was, it was corporate, not individual. Uh, if you study the scripture... Uh, there was a longing for the hope of the nation. People didn't really think that much about individual hope. It was the hope of the nation and seeking salvation of Israel. You'll read about that. Learning to rejoice as a people. We rejoice together. And then unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Toward this plural. Uh, toward this larger group called Israel. What's amazing then is that when Jesus comes, when he shows up, Advent becomes very, very personal. I think it's one of the things that I, I really love about the series, The Chosen. So many have, have told me that it's connected them in a way like nothing else because it's so personal. And that's the gospel. Open up the book and start to read it because it's amazing how personal it is. Jesus is coming for all the fulfillment of those hopes and dreams of Israel, those corporate, but oh, in such a personal way. And think about how when he met the woman at the well, it's so personal. If you knew who you're talking to, you'd ask him. And he would give you something that would well up from within you as an everlasting fount of life. Even when we talk about Emmanuel, God with us, the Gospels describe God with me. And that's very true about peace uh, when we begin to talk about that. Peace is important in the Bible, uh, both corporately and personally. I looked it up because I've been doing that every week, and we discovered that in the Bible, hope appears 156 times. We decided that was a whole lot. Do you remember? Yeah. And then salvation, 196 times. Boy, a lot more. And then we shouldn't have been surprised when joy and rejoice 
show up with a total of 351 times. That's huge. That's more than hope and salvation put together, you know? And, And then peace appears in the Bible a whopping 379 times. That's more than hope and salvation put together. And it might surprise you um, that of those, 97 of those appearances of peace are in the New Testament, 282 times in the Old Testament. So don't let anybody tell you that the Old Testament isn't a, a, a message of peace. Because there's a whole lot of peace, a whole lot of talk about peace in that Old Testament. The Hebrew word is shalom. And it's a primitive root that means to, to be safe to cause to be completed, finished, uh, to make amends, to make full. In fact, shalom is used to to describe the very beginning of creation and the very end of everything. At the end of Revelation, it's shalom that we find. So it's a whole full circle thing that God is at work doing. The Greek word is irene, and and it, it means to join together, almost like the putting back together of a brokenness, a broken bone that's being set and then heals. That's the word for peace in the New Testament. It also is a quietness, a rest, but it means to be set at one again. So when we talk about peace, are we talking about world peace, family peace, church peace, or or personal peace? And the answer would be yes, (laughs) all of that. I remember, and you may remember, the Billy Graham tract. It was called Steps to Peace with God. Did any of you remember that? It's another slide ahead. There we go. Do any of you remember that tract? Maybe I'm just a little bit older than most of you. But uh, it it was the Billy Graham tract. And I remember when I saw it, I I was a teenager. And I remember uh, thinking immediately, I didn't know I was at war with God. (laughs) And, And most people don't. But the Bible says we are, in essence, because of our sinful nature, because of our broken nature, essentially at war with God. And then as we get a little bit older, things become increasingly complicated and we have less and less peace. Billy Graham uh, said it really well. He said, most people yearn for one thing more than anything else, inner peace. Without it, they have no lasting joy or security. The word peace is used in the Bible in three main ways. He he described there's spiritual peace, peace uh, between God and man, and there's psychological peace, he called it, peace within, inner peace. And there's the third, which is relational peace, peace among mankind. And we need all three, amen? We need all of those. And so Jesus spoke so directly to that. John chapter 14, Jesus said, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now some of you may think, I think there's a famous broadcaster that says that. I thought he wrote that. No, Jesus said it. He's the one. Why don't we read it out loud together, that that passage up there. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, Jesus gives something different from what the world offers or provides or promises. And there's a lot of promises out there to give you inner peace, and none of them will fill. 
So how do we get there? How do I find my peace? There's actually a passage um, in Philippians chapter 4. We've actually referenced it a couple of times in that last song, that, that rejoice. And the Apostle Paul drew a, a, really a map to finding peace. And uh, those passages are in the notes that are in your bulletin. But, but I just want to go through it very quickly. Um, and the first is to make the choice to rejoice. That's what we were singing about a few minutes ago. Rejoice in the Lord always. If you didn't get it, I will say it again. Rejoice. If I need to say it a third time, I will. Rejoice. And that's what we are about. Rejoicing in the Lord. That was candle number three. Last weekend, we talked about joy and rejoicing. The second, I love this because in the, in the ESV version, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, that's a big fat word, isn't it? Let's say it. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, The NIV that I've used for years says, let your gentleness be evident to all. But sometimes there's a little more in the Greek. And I think that's really good. Gentleness is, is a gift of the spirit. But I like that word reasonableness because it asks me to ask the question, am I someone who listens? Am I someone who hears? Am I someone who seeks to understand another person? And when I think about it, we could use a little more reasonableness in our world. I hear a lot of talk and demands and things that are not reasonable at all. We can use some reasonableness. And I want to be someone who's on the side of peace, on the side of reasonableness. The third is, and he just says this statement, the Lord is at hand. And that kind of begs the question, how would you behave if Jesus walked into the room right now? And it's not an empty question because he has, he's here. He is at hand. Do this with me. Just reach out your hand in any direction. Don't poke anybody, but reach out your hand. He's right there. He's right there. He's right within your reach. He is at hand. And so he's here. And so how we interact, how we engage, how we communicate, how we deal with the situations that come to us. Let's remember that the Lord is at hand and then choose prayer over worry. The apostle says, do not be anxious about anything. Some of you know this. You could recite it by heart. Let's read it out loud. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray. Lift, lift that to the Lord. In, in all of those situations we've been encountering with the people who were suddenly so disturbed, it was prayer that connected them. It was finally listening and talking to the Lord. And then, and then this amazing thing happens. And we allow the peace of God to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. A peace that surpasses all understanding. It's something we can't even comprehend I don't know about you, but I've been in some times and places where I thought, I don't know that I can ever have peace in this situation. And then I give it to God and it's there and it is beyond understanding. And it guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Peter described it this way. He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When we really turn it over to God, there is a peace that he gives and supplies. And that's the key to peace on earth. Finding your peace in, in your heart 
is out of that map, coming to that place where we receive that peace. Well, we've heard from um, some people who were discovering peace. We've heard from the shepherd's wife. I thought that was amazing. A life disrupted by the announcement. And then we've heard from Mary's mother um, as she got the most worrisome news. Uh, but, then, but then she found peace. And they each, each one in a different way. Next, we're going to be hearing from another guy, a wise man. And we hear about the wise men and we think about the wise men, but we don't ever really hear from them. But all of these are people who, in a different way, uh, discovered peace. This is a guy who deals in logic and maps and stars and books. He's going to tell you. He's not an emotional man. He's not even a spiritual searcher. But he was mostly driven by curiosity. I know a lot of people that that fits the bell. And this would be the thing that would relate for you. Will he find an answer? He's going to find an answer he never knew he needed. So let's watch. With kings, you show reverence, humility, honor. But I had no intention of doing that with this child. We weren't looking for a messiah, just seeking to satisfy our curiosity. You understand. Let's see if A plus B can equal C. So this curiosity led me and my companions to the one they claimed to be a king. I must tell you, I'm not moved by emotion. Skeptical for the most part. My colleagues say, cynical. <laughs> Maybe they're right. I deal in logic. Maps. Stars. Books. History. So we followed the star. We found the mother and father and the boy they called Jesus in Bethlehem. Yes, I was expecting a child, but, well, there he was. The boy who drove Herod mad. Who held command to armies of angels. Who lured peasant shepherds away from their sole livelihood. This child they claimed to be Messiah. said I a king in my own right had no intention of bowing to this child I was bound only by curiosity but then I saw him and I I felt a, a fascination something unmistakable something I had never seen with my own eyes Since the beginning of time, kings have invented their own wild mythologies of their birth. But this king's birth was foretold by prophets long before he took his first earthly breath. Other kings spread tales to their kingdoms of their triumphs and valor. 
But this king said nothing. Legions of angels spoke for him. I think of him every day. How I went to satisfy my curiosity and, and found the answer I didn't know I needed. A Messiah.
pray together. You may be at this point in, in our time together where you realize that there's one of those points of engagement that you really are touched by. You've realized that Jesus does disturb our schedule, but it's much more than that. The good news is what you have needed to hear for a long time. Or maybe you've approached things with logic and books and thinking and curiosity and you finally realize, wow, this baby is so different. This gift is so different. And so this would be the time to find peace with God. To pray a prayer in in your own heart, in your own words that says, God, I get it. I need you. I need you. And I thank you for this amazing gift. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the good news that is announced. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I receive him. We thank you, God, for the message of this season. And we know that it's much more than straw and mangers and, and so forth. It is much more. It is the gift of your son. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much. Have a great week. Sing Gloria.